Aloha and welcome to Mission Church. We're so glad that you guys are here today. We are in the middle of a sermon series um, called Living Our Mission. And a few weeks ago when we concluded our sermon series on our story, we shared a brand new um, mission statement and uh, following the, our Our Story mission uh, sermon series, I thought it would be such a great thing to work through and, and talk about our new mission statement, not just for us to learn it, but to find opportunities and ways to live it out. Because that's what's most important about any statement of mission that you believe in. And so what I want us to do is, before we can live out our mission statement, we need to know it, right? I mean, that makes sense. So I have put up on the screen the mission statement for our church, and I want all of us to go through and make sure we know the mission statement. It's in the bulletin you have every Sunday, so if you take the bulletin home and you, you have it there, you can remind yourself. But let's read this together, okay? The mission of, the, uh, of our church is to authentically love God, humbly serve one another, and intentionally share Christ. Let's say that one more time. You guys say it. Lovely. That's beautiful. And more than just knowing it, it's important to live it. And so that's why we're doing this mission statement. We wanted to make the mission statement easy to remember so it's easy to apply. We want to apply this into our lives. So I began uh, with a sermon series called Authentically Loving God, and we took two weeks to talk about that. And this uh, last Sunday, um, we began the second part of our mission statement. Um, and that is to humbly serve one another. And I preached a message called Authentic Humility. And so today I want to follow up in the second part of our message on humbly serving one another. Um, but from last Sunday, that message of authentic uh, humility, the big takeaway that I want to make sure everybody got because when we get this and understand this, we can move forward in what it means to be humble and, and, and find the way that humility actually grows in our lives. And the big takeaway is that our relationship with God and his word impacts the depth of our humility. Right. If I were to ask you, how are you going to be more humble? Hmm, that's a good question. Right. Or last week I said, raise your hand if you if you're the most humble person and uh, a couple people raised their hand. But, but humility is one of those things. It's, it's hard, right? You, you, I, I'm humble, but am I really humble if I, if I say I'm humble? <laughs> um, someone was saying that a former pastor used to have a, a humble pin. And uh, they would, he would hand the person the pin. And if you put it on, he'd take it right off of you. <laughs> Which is smart, right? So humility is one of the... How do we grow in humility? We grow in humility through our love for God. And his word. And through that love, we find obedience, right? When we obey God and we obey his word, that is the genesis of where humility grows in our lives because our love for God and what the word of God teaches leads us down a path and a life of humility, of authentic humility. And, um, and, and when, when we go back to the very beginning and we look at the relationship that God had with Adam and Eve, rebellion against God, and, and the disobedience of what God commands and the disobedience to his word, that's 
what leads us further and further away from what it means to be humble. Because when we disobey God, when we rebel against Him and His Word, we rely then on ourself. And in self-reliance, in self-sufficiency, we grow in selfishness, and all of that hinders our humility and our ability to serve others in humility. And so, we get to where we're at today. This message of how do we humble serve, humbly serve one another. How, how are we doing it, humbly serving one another? That was going to be my sermon title for today. How are we doing at humbly serving one another? And I sat there this week staring at a blank computer screen, thinking, how am I going to write this sermon How are we doing it, humbly serving one another? And I began to reflect on just the short time that I have been here. And I began to think about some of the people in this church who are already humbly serving people in this church. And and so I thought, man, what kind of sermon do I bring to a church that's already taking seriously the message that I want to preach? Right? So, I, I, I want to preach this message on, on how are we doing at humbly serving one another. And then when I look out into the church, you know what I see? I see people humbly serving one another already. So, I thought, okay, here's the sermon. Humbly serving one another even more. <laughs> and I said, no, 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 that's not going to preach. <laughs> and uh, so... You just sometimes you just get to the place where you just got to tell the church, good job. Wonderful. You guys are doing well at humbly serving one another. We are doing well at humbly serving one another. And, and sometimes we sometimes we just got to say that, right? Amen. So I just want to share some examples with you of what humbly serving one another looks like because there are many. Um, Today I I have asked Jamie Curtis to come into the sanctuary because I wanted just to use her as an example. Jamie, would you come up here and join me, please? I'm, I'm not interested in embarrassing anyone, but you need to hear a part of this story that I have heard about Jamie um, when I first came to this church, Jamie, thank you com- for coming up here. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Oh, Jamie, thank you. you have been serving in our nursery, and correct me if I'm wrong, for 33 years. Yikes. Has it been, has it been 33 years? I guess it has. Yes, it has been. It has been. 33 years of serving in the nursery. And, um, and this, this is what I heard the story was. Um, 33 years ago, there was a need for people to, to serve in the nursery. And then someone came and asked you if you would help for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Two weeks. <laughs> and then we lost track of all time. And I never left, yes. But it's so fun for me. It's fun. It is. It is. And, and, and your... Your service to this church is is why I can't preach my sermon today. (laughs) So I just want to say that for those of you who are part of Mission Church, you were born into the church and you're under 33 years old, Jamie has cared for you. 
Jamie, and, and for those of you who are watching online as well too, I know there's many who have grown up and moved away, but continue to be connected. Jamie has prayed for you. Jamie has nursed and cared for you, and Jamie has changed your diaper. <laughs> and Jamie, I, I have a lay here in, in Hawaii. Oh, I love we, it. Thank you. We, uh, oh, we it. share a lay and, and say mahalo oh, and thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you, Gordon. Thank, thank you. you so much. And then she's going to head right back to the nursery and continue to humbly serve. What, what, what a blessing. What a blessing. So those of you, I was going to have you stand if you're under 33 years old and were a part of, but I didn't want people to single you out because I was going to say, Jamie changed your diaper. And then it would be kind of awkward, you know. But, um, but, but and, and, and I want to say, God bless Jamie, but it's, it's, it's Jamie and many, many others. And so I just wrote down right here, just from my own memory, and, and I apologize if I, if I get the numbers wrong, but I, this is, I think I'm correct, and some I don't know. But Chad and Andrea Wolf have been teaching children's Sunday school for 14 years. Yeah. John, John Payton has been leading our children's quizzing for 18 years. Chandra Morton has been leading our teen quizzing for I don't know how many years, but it's been many. And Janet Crow has been leading our caravans for many years as well. I, I, I don't know how long. Janet, how long have you been leading caravans? 25 years. If I had another lay, I would, I would share it with you. Oh, my goodness. And then um, Barry Jones been leading the uh, family mission trip over to Mexico for, for many, many, many years. And there are many, many more of you out there that I don't have time to, to just recognize and, and, and celebrate how you humbly serve one another in this church. You are all volunteers. You give of yourselves beautifully. And I want to say mahalo for the example that you have shown to us all through the years. Let's give God, let's give God glory for the great things that he is doing in the midst of this church. And I, I found this quote that I'm sure many of you have heard that I love. It's from Pastor Rick Warren and as he talks about humility. And here's the quote right here. Humility is not thinking less of yourselves. It's thinking of yourselves less. You get that? It's not some putting myself down in any way, shape, or form. It's just not spending all my time thinking about me. <laughs> because that's the problem with self, isn't it? When, whenever we talk about our self, the word self, it's all about me and my needs and my desires and my time with my own values and my things. It's all me, 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 me. And that's the way the world thinks today. It's, it's not the, the way that God calls us to live. And that's the problem with self. With self, uh, we just think of ourselves. I love that, what, what Pastor Rick Warren says. It's not about thinking of yourself less. It's just thinking of, it's not thinking of less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. And humility leads us to think of ourselves 
less often so we can think of others more often and serve others the way Jesus would serve them. And so um, what I'd like to do now is just kind of shift my sermon a little bit. And, um, and, and uh, I, because I felt like I really needed to share a message with you about serving, um, if you look at your sermon title today, you, you'll see that it's a very intriguing sermon title, right? Today's message is called Scandalous and Shocking Service. And, uh, and so what I want to do is bring to you a message of service and what Jesus taught about service and then the example that he gave us. And so today's is just looking at a different side of serving. And I hope that this title does more than intrigue you, but it puts into action some of the things that Jesus taught us. So I'm going to share two Bible stories. The first is one of Jesus' teaching, and the second is the example that Jesus gives us. And both are scandalous and shocking. The first one comes from Luke chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 10 and uh, follow along with me. I I brought my... um, Good and special book, the, the, the Hawaiian Pigeon Bible. And I'm going to read from this. Some of you have mentioned how much you enjoyed uh, our, our uh, Ohana Sunday. And so, um, and then uh, someone even said, Pastor, I've been reading that and it makes so much more sense to me. And I said, okay, well, then from time to time, I'll, I'm going to bust it out and read from it again. <laughs> so today, uh, I'm going to read from you Luke chapter 10. Beginning at verse 30. This is the parable of the Good Samaritan. And it begins with Jesus talking to a Pharisee about the requirements for salvation. The Pharisee came to Jesus. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And so they discuss it. And they both come to an agreement to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Obviously, that's not the uh, Hawaiian Pigeon Bible. But I want to make sure that you guys got that part. They both agreed on that. But the the Pharisee came to test Jesus. And so he asked Jesus, going deeper, then then who's my neighbor, right? And then Jesus shares this beautiful parable, which I will read for you in the Hawaiian Pigeon Bible. Jesus said, had one guy even go down Jericho town from Jerusalem. Then had some guy that went jump him, rip him off, and bust him up, and leave him there for make. Make means to die. Bombay, when Jewish priest guy come that same road, he spocked the guy and go to other side. Same thing when guy from the Levite Ohana that helped the priests, he spocked him and go to other side too. Then one guy from Samaria going down that road, when come where the guy stay, he spocked him and he get pity for him. He go by him, put olive oil and wine on top of his cuts, and wrap him up. He put the guy on his own donkey and bring him by the hotel and take care of him. Next day, he take out two silver coins and give them to the boss for the hotel and say, Take care of him, and when I come back, I give you whatever you and pay. Now, what you think? From the three guys that went past, who in get more love and aloha for the guy those guys went bust up? And the teacher guy say, the guy that went show him, show pity for him. And Jesus say, go make like that. The reading of the word of God. 
<laughs> oh, I love this translation because I understand it really well. It makes so much sense to me. And it, it puts things really in, in very simple terms, right? But when you, when you read this on your own, when you look at this passage of Scripture, you might ask yourself, Pastor, where's the scandal? Aren't we going to talk about scandalous service? It all looks pretty right to me, right? Well, that's because we see this story from Jesus' perspective as he shares the story. And everything makes sense when we look at this story from Jesus' perspective. But you know, to the Pharisee, the other person in this story, this story was scandalous. And I'll explain to you why. There's some context, the cultural dynamics of what is happening here that, that when we don't understand it, it's, it's hard to understand where the scandal comes from. But if you understand the dynamics between Jews and Samaritans, then you begin to understand that there is a lot of tension there. And those tensions that happen between Jews and Samaritans come along racial lines and religious lines. There's a great divide there, and they don't agree. And because of that, when people go to a town on the other side of Samaria, Jews wouldn't pass through Samaria to get there. Instead, they'd go all the way around Samaria to get there. So if we, were to go to Arizona, if we wanted to go to New Mexico, and we didn't like the Arizonians, we wouldn't just take Interstate 8 and break it all the way through Arizona. We would go up I-10 and go around, maybe as far as up to Montana, and then come back down. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's kind of like what it was like. They, they just, they didn't like one another, and so they avoided one another. If you read the, uh, in John chapter 4, the, the, the story of the woman at the well, she was a Samaritan woman, and you can feel the tension that Jesus has with her in much the same way as Jesus tells this parable to the priest. Jesus tells an amazing story that we all nod our heads and say, yeah, that's great. The priest, on the other hand, hears the story, and it's scandalous to him. You know why? Because the priest and the Levite weren't the heroes of the story. It was the Samaritan. This Pharisee could not take the fact that the injured person was a Jewish man and not the, the priest or the Levite helped him, someone that you wouldn't expect at all to even offer a hand is the very one that reaches down and cares for this person. Even binds their wounds, takes them to an end, pays for their care. That was scandalous to the Pharisee. And when I, when I look at this, this, this story of the, the Good Samaritan, there are many, many, many lessons to learn. You've probably heard many different sermons preached from this parable. But today's lesson, today what I want you to do is to find the ways and opportunities to be the shocking and scandalous hero when you serve others in the same way that this Samaritan was shocking and scandalous in his service. Because what, what, I, what I want you to know is that we don't want to make our service so predictable 
by only serving those who expect us to serve them. For instance, when I serve Rochelle, she expects it. <laughs> She's my wife, right? And when I serve her, it's, it's something that she, you know, it's expected because we're married. But when, I, but when we choose to serve someone that doesn't deserve our blessing, they don't deserve our service, they don't deserve our forgiveness, they, did, they don't deserve any favor from us, and, and you give that, you give your favor, you give your forgiveness, you give your service, it might shock them. And that's what happens here. What a beautiful thing for us to do, to, to serve people. And when we do, it's shocking to them. That's what happens here in this beautiful parable. That happened to me this morning, actually. This morning, when I got here to church, um, Beth came and she handed me a gift. And it was of these ping pong balls with different faces on them. She says, I know you like ping pong, so I got this for you. I wasn't expecting a gift from Beth today, and certainly not ping pong balls. (laughs) But thank you so much. What a blessing you have been to me. And and that's what I'm just talking about. It doesn't have to be huge. It can be just little things like that where you are a blessing to someone, and they don't even realize it coming. And when you give it to them, wow, what a blessing that is. We We can bless those that are close to us, that we love and love us back, right? And that's great. You guys, we, we, we all do that well. But wouldn't it be amazing to take the next step forward and shock those that may not expect something from us? So Jesus teaches that. There's many lessons that you can get from the Good Samaritan story. Here's just one that you might see in a different way. The other passage of Scripture that I want to share from with you that is more of an example that Jesus gives. You probably know where I'm going with this already. It's John chapter 13. And in John chapter 13, it's the story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. What an amazing example of a shocking and maybe even a scandalous way of serving. And, and, and here's the context of what's happening uh, in, in the Jewish culture. Because, you know, we, we, we live in such a different place. We may not understand the culture of what's happening. So I'll just give you a little background of the context here. In Jesus' days, they didn't have cars, just so you know, right? And only the cool kids had chariots. So most kids couldn't even ride around on a chariot. Come on, guys. You can lighten up. That was funny. Everybody walked to get anywhere, right? And they didn't have covered shoes like we did. They all wore sandals, and, or they wore Birkenstocks. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. I could hear you laughing there. <laughs> and they walked everywhere, and it was hot. It's like a desert. It was dusty. They didn't have paved roads. And so when you walked everywhere, naturally, in, and you walked in sandals, your feet got dusty and dirty. And if, if you invited me to your home, and I had to walk there, when I got to your home, would you want me to tromp into your home with my dusty and dirty feet? Obviously not, right? And so, in Jewish culture, back in those days, if you were well-to-do, 
you had a servant. And the servant would meet the people outside, invite them in, wash their feet before you entered into the home. That was customary. If they didn't have a servant, then the youngest child in the home, the person with the least, uh, the least amount of authority, the, the, the person on the lowest rung of the totem pole, they would be the one that would be meeting you at the door and washing your feet before you entered your home. That's, that was cu- cultural. That was customary. And here in John chapter 13, Jesus is sitting down for a meal with his disciples. It's the Last Supper. And in Jewish culture, they didn't sit up on high tables like we did with our feet under the tables like this. They lounged around a mat and they all kind of sat on the floor side by side next to one another. So your feet could be right next to someone's head. So you can understand. You don't want smelly, dusty, dirty feet when you're lounging with people around the dinner table. And here Jesus gathers his disciples for the Last Supper. And no one is there to wash the feet. And they're about to have the meal. And so Jesus grabs a basin, puts a towel around his waist, fills up the basin with water, and he washes his disciples' feet. I want to take a moment to read this passage for you um, from John chapter 13. And again, I'm going to read it from uh, the Hawaiian Pigeon Bible. And so here's what happens. was just before the Passover time when Jesus would know that was a time for him uh, for go out of this world and go by his father. He every time get love and aloha for his people that stay outside, that stay inside the world. And he get love and aloha. I love this. And he get love and aloha for them all the way. I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. Jesus then was eating the Passover dinner and the devil would already make Judas, Simon Iscariot's boy, think that he like set up Jesus. He like set Jesus up. And Jesus knew that his father would give him all the power over everything. And he knew he would come from God and now he's going to go back to God. So Jesus would stand up from the table, take off his robe and put one towel around his waist. Then he went pour water inside one small wash tub and went start for wash his guy's feet. First one guy, then the other. And then he'd dry him with the towel and he went get around his waist. Then he went go by Simon Peter and Peter went ask him, Hey boss, what you doing? You going to wash my feet? And Jesus tell him, you don't understand how come I'm doing this now, but Bombay, you're going to understand them. And Peter tell him, no way you ever going to wash my feet. Then Jesus tell him, if I don't wash you, then you cannot, you know, can be my guy. Then Simon tell Peter, kidding boss, no wash only my feet, wash my hands and my head too. And Jesus tell him, whoever went bathe, they only need wash their feet. The body stay clean already and you guys stay clean inside. But not all you guys, because Jesus know already who going to set him up. That's why he say, all you guys not clean. And after Jesus soon washed their feet, he put on his robe and go back to the table. Then he asked him, hey, 
You guys understand how come I went wash your guys' feet? You guys call me teacher and boss. And that's good, because that's who me. I, you guys, boss and teacher, yeah? And I went wash your guys' feet. Kaden, you guys supposed to wash each other's feet too. I went show you guys what to do, because just like I went do for you guys, you guys supposed to do too. The reading of the word. <laughs> and so, we, we find ourselves here in John chapter 13 with verse, early in the verse, one or two, it says that Jesus went show love and aloha all the way, right? Or in the NIV says, to the full extent of his love. And, and, and that takes me back to last Sunday when we talked about humility and service and how the love that we have for God leads us to obey. And through our obedience, that humility in us grows. And here, Jesus sets an example for us. And we all read this passage looking at the humility of Jesus washing each of his disciples' feet. And we see the protest that Simon Peter had. And I can almost guarantee you that every single disciple in that room, around that table, felt the same way Simon Peter did. Like, oh, I can't believe our master, our teacher, our boss, Jesus, he's washing my feet. That was kind of, I'm sure, a little embarrassing for the person whose feet was getting washed by the master, the rabbi, the son of God. And so when Jesus finally gets to Peter, he, he says what everybody is feeling. You going to wash my feet? Are you going to really do that? And Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking right now, but one day you will. And then I love, <laughs> in this passage of scripture, um, what, uh, what Simon says in, in the, the Hawaiian Pigeon Bible. No way you ever go and wash my feet. That's exactly what he said. <laughs> Simon Peter's heart is in the right place, isn't it? If that were you, wouldn't you feel the same way? Jesus, what are, you, what are you doing? Why are you washing my feet? But Jesus is about to show his disciples what scandalous and shocking service looks like. And it's not so much that he washed Simon's feet and John's feet and James's feet. You know what the real scandal is? He washes Judas's feet. <laughs> because we know in this passage of Scripture that Jesus already knows that Judas is going to betray him. We know that. He says, because not everybody in here is clean. Somebody going, somebody going to betray me. I already know that. But you know what Jesus does anyway? He gets down on his hands and knees. And he gets to Judas. And he doesn't do anything different from anybody else. He washes Judas' feet. And he tries it with the towel. And then he stands up before all his disciples. And he says, I set an example for you. So that you can do 
what I have just done for you. Including wash the very person who's going to betray me, his feet. We read on in John chapter 13, and you know what else Jesus does? Jesus takes the bread and he breaks it. And he shares it with his disciples, including Judas. And he takes the cup and he thanks God for it. And he gives it to every single disciple, including Jesus, uh, Judas. And you know what? To me, to me, that's scandalous. That's scandalous to me. I cannot believe Jesus would wash Judas's feet or that he would serve him communion. The Son of God should not have to wash the feet of the person who betrays him. That is not right. That is improper, actually. And you know why it's scandalous? <laughs> because it tells me what I got to do. And it shows me what he wants me to do. And he wants you to do as well. Oh, that's scandalous and shocking. And Jesus taught this. He gave the example and he lived it. I want you to know, church, that's a hard teaching for me. Probably a hard teaching for you as well, too. To call you to wash the feet of somebody that you know will betray you. Kind of makes what little hair I have on the back of my neck stand. (laughs) But here's why I love Jesus so much. Because not only does Jesus teach us what to do, and maybe even tell us what to do, he does it too. Don't you love that kind of teacher? The kind of teacher that will never tell you to do anything that they won't do first. That's a person that I can follow. That's the kind of Lord that I will willingly love. And when it comes to a hard teaching like that, boy, we better precede all of what we do in prayer then. Because I guarantee you, it's, gonna, it's not going to be easy for me or for you to do the very things that Jesus calls us to do unless we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves, even if that neighbor is Judas. So, as we conclude our service today, I was reminded this morning in our time of prayer at 8 a.m., which, by the way, you're all invited to, that prayer is the ultimate act of humbly serving one another. Right? Because in prayer, we take a humble posture on our knees. And when I pray for you this way, I'm serving you the best way I can by inviting God to come in and join me in my prayer as I pray for you. Prayer is one of the best things we can do to humbly serve one another. So can I ask you to join us in our time of prayer and humbly serve one another? That's exactly what our mission is. Let's live out our mission in the most beautiful way. 
I want to share this last passage of scripture with you because it calls us to that very thing in Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and heal their land. This is almost a given. Do, don't we need this right now? If ever there was a time when we needed healing for our land, it's now. And this passage of scripture tells us clearly how we do that. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. So church, as we close today, With humble hearts, would you join me in prayer? Father in heaven today, I thank you for Mission Church. I thank you because this beautiful church that I get the great privilege to be the pastor of loves to to, to serve humbly. We have seen again and again and again the examples of the people who are a part of this church and the things that they do because they love you and they serve one another so beautifully. And I get to be the pastor here. Thank you, God. I am so grateful. And I pray today, Lord God, that we can take a step together and hold hands in unity in our hearts to take the message today by first of all giving thanks to you for this church but then also Lord God looking at what you've taught and how you've lived and the example that you gave to us where you didn't just tell us to do something you did it first and that's why we love you so much because everything you've asked us to do you've done first may our service be shocking to those who don't expect love and forgiveness and mercy and grace from us. Lord, if there are relationships that are filled with tension, as many are, may we be the ones to give love and grace. But we can't do it alone, Lord. We need your Humble our hearts, Lord God. Help us to love you so much that you help us to do that. And Lord, we find it scandalous at times the way you love and the way you serve because it calls us to do it the same way. And it's hard for us to move forward to do that, Lord God. That's why we need you. Help us. Help us, we pray. Turn our hearts toward you, that we might love you and be obedient to you and your word because that's what you call us to do. May we lean heavily into the relationship that we have with you. May your Holy Spirit be our strength and our guide. Humble our hearts that we might serve others. Well, in Jesus' name we pray.